This is the Bomber Winter Special on 680-CJOB. Yeah, and this is edition two. We did this about a month ago. Hi, everybody. It's Bob Irving. We decided, we had so much fun doing it a month ago, we decided we'd do it again and catch up on what's been going on with the Blue Bombers. And uh, when we last did the show, uh, it was before free agency. And, of course, a lot has happened since free agency happened on February the 13th. And we'll... Start on that note with the head coach of the Blue Bombers, Mike O'Shea. We're going to talk Bombers for the next two hours. Good to have you along with us tonight. And uh, Mike, free agency has saw a lot of good players come in, but the downside of free agency is you always lose some. As you kind of look at uh, what you've added and what's been taken away, how do you assess it all? Oh, I think that's going to be hard to do until we until we get on the field and and start playing. I mean, um, obviously the players we acquired we're we're very excited about. Uh, we think they can help and they're going to play uh, key roles in us uh, moving forward. Um, but to to sort of assess um, what we've lost, I think it's gonna it's going to take a bit of time. Yeah, for sure. You've added uh, two top drawer receivers, I think, in Nick Dembski. Uh, the Canadian, the Winnipegger, the young kid who was a first-round draft pick of Saskatchewan, and a Darius Bowman, who uh, is at the other end of the spectrum, I guess, in terms of his career. Uh, touch on those two and how you see them fitting in, Mike. Well, they're both guys that can play. I think, uh, you, you know, the veteran leadership that a Darius can bring, um, you know, he's obviously looking to get into the form he was a couple of years ago when he had 1,600 or whatever number of yards it was, more than that maybe. Um, and and uh, Nick, obviously, boy, when you when we watched him in the draft, uh, he, you know, he's just such a dynamic football player. Uh, he's he can certainly return. Uh, he can play tailback. He can. Uh, play slot so he's he's a really multifaceted player that his athleticism is is what stands out uh immediately so um it's nice to have him back uh, home too uh, you know it's it's interesting uh, andrew harris did such a good job um or has done such a good job for us and and uh, that coming home is always something that's interesting how's that going to affect the the player and and um if if Nick and Keenan LaFrance can can both be uh, successful in their own way, like Andrew has uh, with with managing being back home, we're going to be uh, very fortunate. Well, indeed, if they if they embrace coming home the way Andrew Harris has, wow, you, you've got two winners there, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, and Darius Bowman, interesting study here, Mike. He's going to be thirty three. Uh, he kind of uh, dropped off the radar in Edmonton this past year, but late in the year, he was a factor again. He was a factor in the playoff game. I think he's still got game. You guys must feel the same way. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't be here if we didn't think he was going to help us quite a bit. So um, he's, he provides a big target. He's someone that uh, obviously Matt is is comfortable with, somebody that Lapo is is, is comfortable with, and, and Adarius is has got a, a history with both those guys. So yeah. um, I think he, he comes in ahead of the game for us. And anyone that's played that long, uh, you know, they, they certainly know how to pick up systems and, and get back in the swing of things and get themselves open and, and get themselves to be a favorite target of the quarterback for sure. When you played the BC Lions last year, I was really impressed with Chandler Finner and, and just the way he played. He's a tough, hard-nosed guy. Uh, t t talk about him and how you feel about landing him. 
Yeah, he was a guy that we we really targeted. I mean, right off the bat, he's at the top of uh, our list, and I'm sure he's at the top of everybody's list, really. Um, defensively, he's a very active, very aggressive player, and, and then you add on top of that um, – 27 special teams tackles so he's gonna he's gonna make our special teams unit better too as well as our defense but the added bonus you get from him is a guy who's committed uh to playing special teams uh when i spoke with him it's evident that he uh certainly puts a big emphasis on it and and wants to play those plays um so he's going to make us better in, in two facets of the game so anytime you can can land a guy who's who's going to uh, help you in in two of the three phases um, that's a, a, a real bonus for us. You have a soft spot in your heart for guys who are eager to play special teams, don't you? Yeah, I mean, that, and that kind of leadership, you know, you don't have to, to speak a lot. You go out there and, and you run down on kickoff, then you play defense, then you play punt return, uh, then you run out on punt, and your teammates notice. It doesn't take long before they realize, hey, listen, i got to start pulling, pulling more here because this guy's doing it all. Now, lots of speculation that Fenner plays the spot that Mo Leggett played before, that uh, hybrid linebacker, whatever you want to call it, Sam linebacker spot, and that Mo drops back to defensive halfback. Is that the way you see it playing out, Mike, or is it still up in the air? Well, it's all pure speculation, I guess, until right now. <laughs> no, yeah. no we, 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 see, we do see Chandler Fenner uh, playing that dime spot, and we see Mo as a versatile guy who can – uh, slot into a different a bunch of different spots for us and and obviously we like Mo's playmaking ability and uh, he's been in our system and understands uh, the defenses uh, front and back so uh, we have no problem slotting Mo in in a couple different spots and see how it plays out you know um, I think this gives us an advantage in terms of going into training camp uh, with some depth also and, and good depth at that spot and uh, the ability to move guys around and possibly give some different looks um, to the opposing offenses so that they can't real get a, get really get a bead on exactly everything we're doing. So um, it's never a problem when you add very good players. Sure. Mo Leggett suffered the torn Achilles, of course. Uh, Mike, is, is he on track for a full recovery by, by training camp, or can you say that yet? Yeah, I would think he is. Yeah. I, I really do. I think uh, Al's pleased with his recovery. Um, I know he's pleased with his with his recovery, and he's excited to to get back at it. And I, you know, I think uh, it does look good for training camp. You signed a defensive lineman, Craig Rowe from BC R O H. He's kind of a grinder. He's one of these guys who yeah. just he, he's going all the time, right? Yeah, I really like his motor. Um, he's played some some good football and and he just keeps going and going and going so uh you know in speaking to him he's he he's aware of his role and how you know what he's got to do on a on a play-by-play basis and um you know i think he's a smart guy i I liked watching him play i I liked uh what he's able to do and um you know that that kind of grittiness and and that motor and determination is is going to um, serve him well. And he gets to the quarterback. He's averaged I think six or seven sacks a year, so uh, he knows where the football is. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He does. And and you know, part part of his job too, behold the point of attack and and be real stout against the run. And and um, you know, I just think he's that he's that guy that can that can do all of those things. 
um, and do them at a high level. And, and you know, talking to him, I, he, he seems like a very smart uh, smart guy. And watching him on the football field, he seems like an intelligent football player. So uh, I'm sure it won't take him long to get uh, acclimated. So you can't keep them all. Jamal Westerman leaves, Mike, and I know you guys made a big pitch to, to keep him. He's a Canadian. He's been very productive for you. Uh, how, how disappointing was that for you? Yeah, you know, he's a guy that chose us uh, when he came to the CFL. And, um, you know, he was very, very productive in his time with us. He's got a, racked up a pile of sacks and, and, and made some very uh, nice plays for us. Uh, exciting guy. He's a, to me, he's a pro. He works hard off the field, as he, you know, just like he does on the field. And uh, he certainly got a fiery attitude, so you're going to miss that too. So, um you know, he made a different decision uh, this year, and, and uh, you know, he's got his own reasons, and, and I'm sure it's all going to work out for Jamal Westerman. Okay, Enoch Mwamba's in Winnipeg. What are the odds of him wearing blue and gold in 2018? I, I'm not sure. You know, honestly, we, we, we've had a chance to chat, and I think he's still, you know, got some questions he needs to get answered and maybe not just from, from the bombers, you know? Um, so I'm sure whenever Enoch is ready to make a decision, he'll let everybody know. He would uh, be a nice ratio breaker. You lost Sam Hurl. You play another Canadian in there. Boy, it would be kind of ideal, wouldn't it? Well, it certainly would give us uh, a lot of flexibility. We could, you know, on both sides of the ball and uh, game in and game out, we could um, we could make some different decisions. And, and uh, you know, that kind of flexibility certainly goes a long way as the season goes on. But uh, it's I think it's a little premature yet to, mm. to pencil him in. I think he's, you know, like I said, he's got some – other questions he wants answered probably for some other from us, some other teams also. If you don't get him, is Santos Knox a leading candidate to be your middle linebacker? Oh, I think you know Jovan Santos Knox played a hell of a had a hell of a season playing the the weak side. So I don't know. We're going to have to see where it all fits in. But yeah. um, he, he's a good football player. We'd like to keep him on the field. That's for sure. That's what training camp's all about, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and that's not far away. It gets right around the corner, thank (laughs) goodness. Creeping up. Hey, Mike, thanks for doing this. Much appreciated. No problem, Bob. All right, we'll see you soon. Mike O'Shea, head coach of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, talking about the pros and cons of their free agent efforts. And I know fans, I'm hearing from a lot of them about Enoch Mwamba. Boy, that would be... uh, that would be a real coup if they could get him. But as Mike said, there are other teams, Montreal, and, and I believe there are others as well that are after Enoch Mwamba. We'll come back and talk to Nick Dembski on our Blue Bomber Winter Special on 680 CJOB. Welcome back. Bob Irving joined by one of the newest Blue Bombers. No stranger to this part of the world. He grew up here. He's a Winnipegger all the way. Nick Dembski signed as a free agent from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Nick, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm good. Appreciate you doing this. Have you got your head around being a Blue Bomber yet? For sure. Yeah, no, it definitely sunk in. I mean, uh, you know, the past couple of weeks, uh, I've just been getting, you know, congratulations from everybody. So with all that settling in, you know, it's uh, it's pretty locked in and I'm ready to go. 
when you became a free agent or looked like you were headed for free agency, Nick, was Winnipeg always at the top of your list or were you kind of open-minded on where you might wind up? I was very open-minded. You know, it just, everything that I was looking for in in a new contract and, 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 you know, a new opportunity, uh, Winnipeg was offering. So, you know, it was icing on the cake that I was at home. So, I was definitely very open to it, but at the end of the day, this was definitely the best option, and uh, I'm very excited to be here. Were you surprised at all that the riders uh, didn't push a little harder to keep you? Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of things that go on in free agency, so you just go with the flow. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is what it is, so I don't really have any... Uh, to say about that no well and when you were drafted uh, i mean the people who drafted you aren't there anymore are they right you know it's a, it's a new coaching staff a lot happens uh yeah you know that uh devin bailey extended there so when that happened you know i kind of knew that uh it might be time to look for for a new opportunity yeah kind of cool that you and uh, keenan lafrance both come home at the same time eh no doubt. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's funny, you know. Apparently, every everywhere, uh, you know, we go, we go together. So <laughs> it's awesome, though. We're gonna see, uh, you know, it's awesome to see familiar faces with you know him, Thomas Miles, you know, Andrew Harris, another Winnipeg guy. So uh, you know, it's it, it's gonna be fun. Did Andrew Harris and Thomas Miles uh, play any role, Nick, in in talking to you about coming here, or was it strictly a, a business proposition between you and the Bombers? Uh, I mean, a bit of both. Uh, I, I definitely, you know, message them both, uh, you know, just to see their thoughts about it and, and you know, how they feel at, at being at home and, and, you know, the opportunity it is. So, you know, they, they definitely played a little bit, but at the, you know, at the end of the day, it was definitely, it was a business decision to come here to Winnipeg. Sure. Take me back to your, uh, your high school days. When did, uh, when did you first start thinking that you could maybe make it as a pro? Can you remember that? Yeah, it was probably like, I mean, as as a kid, I, I always dreamed about being a pro football player. So, you know, ever ever since I scored my first touchdown, it was probably in the back of my mind that, that I could be a pro football player. But, you know, when it when it started to, you know, really settle in and kick in was probably, you know, my second year of university after, after I got first team All-Canadian. Uh, that's, that's when, it, you know, decided football is uh you know it's it's uh it's a business now uh you know it's 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 fun at the end of the day but it's not just fun games it's a it's a business now it's a business opportunity would you point to one person who maybe influenced you the most or who had a significant influence on you as in your development uh i mean my dad my my dad's my biggest fan Uh uh-huh you know he, he he keeps it real with me and and pushes me um with the, with the NFL player that I always looked up to was Marshall Falk. So that, that that's the guy, you know, who made me want to play football, you know, just, just watching him play. That's that's how I wanted to play. Yeah. How excited uh, was your dad when you came home? He was definitely excited. Same with my mom. My mom was my mom was very pumped. You know, my whole family was pumped. Uh, my auntie and uncle, they're, they're definitely Winnipeg Blue Bomber fans. So I, th- I think it hurt them a little bit to wear green, but. You know, I'm uh, I'm pretty sure they're they're very excited that I'm coming home that they can change green to blue. Yeah, well, trust me, Nick. The blue and gold will look better on you than the green did, and I <laughs> no doubt. I think most people around here feel that way. Um, so, where do you see yourself fitting in to the bomber scheme of things? Uh, I mean, I, I'm coming in there to play receiver, and and you know what. 
do, do basically whatever they want me to do. I mean, uh, Coach Coach LaPolice likes my versatility, so I think uh, I think he has a few plans that he's going to do with me. So I'm just excited to to start running running that offense and and uh, start making plays. Would you like to return kicks? I would. I mean, if the, if the opportunity is there, if not, you know, I'll, I'll focus on receivers. It's it's whatever they want me to do. I'm with it. What's your workout? Plan? Do you, are you tied in with Andrew Harrison doing some of the crazy things that he does to get ready for the season? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think in about a week or two, we're we're going to start hitting the turf and and you know start working out together, start start running routes together. Uh, you know, him, Keen LaFrance, uh, Thomas Miles, you know, all the all the guys who are in Winnipeg. Uh, I'm sure Matt Nichols will come when when he's back in Winnipeg. Uh, so you know, I'm I'm definitely excited for that too. Yeah. Now, Nick, I don't want to put any pressure on you, but uh, from watching you in university football, I think you got a chance to be a star in this league. Do you feel the same way? I feel the same way. I mean, that's that, that's what I'm striving to be. That's what I want to be. That's that's uh, you know, that's my motivation. So, you know, I'm I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there. And uh, you know, that's that's why I'm so happy that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers give me this opportunity. Well, I'll say this to you, Nick. Welcome home. It's great to have you back in blue and gold. I know the Bombers were thrilled that uh, they were able to bring you back here, and I know the fans are excited about watching you uh, in the coming season. Thanks for doing this tonight. Uh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Okay. Nick Dembski, one of the players signed by the Blue Bombers in free agency, and I, I mentioned that I think he can be a star. I think he's got the athletic tools. I really do to be a star in this league. He's fast. He's He's got moves. Uh, man, He's he's got talent. He oozes talent, in my opinion. And uh, I can hardly wait to watch Nick Dembski play for the Blue and Gold. 680 CJOB, two hours of solid Blue Bomber talk tonight on our second winter special. I'm joined by Bomber offensive coordinator and receivers coach, Paul Apolise. Paul, how you doing? Doing good, Bob. How's your winter been? Yeah, it's been good. We've been uh, running around doing things and uh, kind of getting back in the office a little bit this week to get caught up, but taking kids to school and track practice and all that kind of stuff. Now, do you and Buck Pierce, when you're in the office together in the off season, sit around like a couple of mad scientists and try to come up with new plays and ways to dupe the opposition, Paul? Yeah, like last week, uh, last two weeks, we tried to maybe like Coach Pierce, Coach uh, Kevin Burgoyne, our running back coach, and myself still live in the city. So we'll try to go, you know, we'll do like three hours and we'll try to look at one of our one of our run game cut-ups or one of our pass game cut-ups. And, and we just, we put up a sign in our office, like, think outside the box. So like in the off season, let's make sure we're thinking outside, trying to be creative as possible. And just, you, you don't want to fart. This time of year, you're trying to figure out what you're really good at and what your players do well, and make sure you do more of that and throw it what you didn't. Mm-hmm. But you want to try to run those things they're good at as creatively as you can. Well, you got some new pieces to be creative with, Paul and Nick Dembski, Keenan LaFrance, and Darius Bowman. Tell me how, tell me how those guys are going to fit into what you like to do and what they like to do. Well, you know, certainly a, a Darius came in. To, you know, I, I was fortunate to coach him his first year in the league in 08, uh, in 2008, and then again here in Winnipeg. And, and so I, I understand that he, you know, I just know he's a guy who can, you put the ball in space to him, he can break tackles. He's tough to bring down, even though he's a big guy. 
Um, the other thing about him, he's somebody you can run up a seam, and if they're in man coverage, you can throw it up, and you've got a lot of surface area where you can spot the ball and let him go up and make a play on the football. So I really think Darius provides another big target. We have Darvin as one big target who can frame the ball, but uh, now Darius gives us another one. Uh, you know, Dembski is, uh, you know, certainly – I think he's got the tools to be an outstanding receiver. He's fast. He's got uh, short space quickness. Uh, he's a good route runner. Um, I, I think we, and the nice thing about him is he's had the ability to run the football growing up and, you know, in high school, he couldn't get on the field in Manitoba because they moved him. He was so good as a wideout because they already had Coombs and LaFrance. Mm-hmm. So like, we think he's got the ability to jump into the backfield if we want him to be in the backfield at times. We can do both. And Keenan LaFrance, a uh, nice, uh, nice situation. In ter- if you're playing a Canadian running back, uh, you better have a, a backup who's who's solid, and you've got one there, don't you? Well, you know, he certainly gives us ratio flexibility to, to make a decision, you know, uh, what are we doing if Andrew is out for a week or a couple of weeks because Keenan's, you know, done a nice job, uh, you know, when he's had opportunities to play. Uh, and certainly he was in my office today and we talked a little bit and gave him some playbook information and met with our running back coach about, you know, that, that, that we could be in a two tailback set at times. And, and technically a two tailback set for us is actually a three tailback set. If you got, you got Dembski in the back also there. So mm. we've got some things that we don't want to do too much, but we, we, we should be able to do a couple of things that are, uh, you, you know, it's kind of nice. You got three different guys who could carry the football if you're in certain packages. Kind of interesting, Paul, how Darius Bowman has come full circle because I can recall when you were head coach of the Bombers, you, you, you let him go late in the season. You know, he he's productive, but he was having a horrible time holding on to the football, and he's since admitted he just wasn't very mature at that point. And, and I recall you saying, you know, this guy's going to go somewhere else and he's going to become a star, and that's exactly what happened, isn't it? Yeah, you know, he, he went through some things. He went through a period where he... He really struggled catching the football. And, you know, we didn't want to get rid of him. We sat him down, and, and then uh, there were just some things that came up that it was probably best to just kind of give him an opportunity to release him. And uh, I really didn't want to, but it kind of came down the pipe. That's, that's what we have to do. And uh, so I, I knew that he would go somewhere else and get better. And, and it was great to see. And he's so good. He's, he's turned out to be such a great professional and talking to him after we signed him, uh, you know, it was great to meet him, his, his wife, and he's expecting a child. And he's just such a more mature football player than 2010. And uh, certainly he will bring a good presence in our room because he's, he works really hard in practice. Uh, he's a high energy guy. He's great in the meeting room. So he, he's a likable guy. And the nice thing about him in conversations, Bob, I've had with him, He's like, Coach, I don't really care where you play me. I don't care how many touches. I just want to be part of this, and I just want to just want to be part of a winning team. So uh, we'll certainly find a role for him, but he's very humble at this point in his career. Well, it's great to hear, Tony. I understand other teams were interested in him, but he simply said, no, I'm going back to Winnipeg. Well, I think he had a lot of, uh, you know, first of all, he had a lot of people he knew in the organization that were really speaking so highly about uh, the job Wade has done and Kyle and Mike. Uh, bringing the right people into the room, uh, as well as, you know, he had worked with me before. Uh, you know, Matt Nichols had worked with him, and so they're in Dressler, you know. So there's a lot of factors that were kind of telling him, hey, this is a good spot for you. 
and uh, certainly our relationship helped uh, that process too, and and you know all the other people in the organization. Well, the bar is high, isn't it, Paul? You guys, for most of last year, were the most productive offense in the CFL. Uh, the fans are going to expect that again in 2018, aren't they? Well, we expect it every year, Bob, and uh, we just kind of <laughs> work towards it. And you know, uh, I don't care. I just care we score one more point than the opponent. Well, however that shakes out, we'll do our best to try to get that done. Yeah. Hey, Paul, thanks for doing this. Much appreciated. Well, we'll see you soon. Okay, thank you, Bob. Take Paul care. Paul uh, offensive coordinator, receivers coach with the Blue Bombers. We're going to come back and talk with Darius Bowman about returning to Winnipeg on our Blue Bomber Winter Special on 680 CJOB. Welcome back, and it's a pleasure to be joined by one of the newest Bombers, a player signed just a few weeks ago, receiver Adarius Bowman. No stranger to fans here because in 2009-2010 he was a Blue Bomber, then six outstanding years Seven outstanding years, I should say, in Edmonton. Darius, uh, have you sort of gotten used to the fact that you're no longer an Eskimo? Oh, I think it's kind of sunk in now, Bob, man. Thank you uh, so much for having me on. And how does it feel to put that blue and gold? Are you going to put it on again soon? Oh, man, it feels very exciting, man. Even the, when I came into the city to sign, it was a great welcome back. Uh, it was good to be in the new stadium on the on the right side rather than being on the other side, but I'm uh, very excited to put that. Did you have a feeling at Darius that the Eskimos were going to, were going to let you go? Uh, a small feeling, you know, uh, so I had two plans that could possibly happen. And, and that was definitely one of them. Uh, my, my career in Edmonton was amazing. I don't think it was anything personal, you know, uh, business scale, some things just changed around. So it was a thought out there, but we was, we was ready for whichever way. And were there other teams in the CFL that uh, that you had any interest in joining? Oh yeah, uh, it was actually kind of it was kind of funny to be in that position again, and and it actually felt good on another scale to just see the interest that was from other teams. But at one moment we had a uh, SAS, uh, BC, uh, Calgary made some interest, Toronto, Montreal, and then uh, of course uh, Winnipeg. So it was a few options. And why Winnipeg, Adarius? Uh, for me, once again, uh, I'm one of those guys that I think I I, I'm, I can be a better athlete, better self, better player, better person when I'm around a good environment. And that's what I, I knew Winnipeg had it already, but I've, I've just heard around the league and I'm, I'm seeing the, the, the fans, the atmosphere, and just everything that's been going on around there. And I was like, man, I would love to be a part of that. So, it was uh it made it pretty simple. And then with the guys that y'all have over there, Matty Ice, uh Andrew Harris, you know, that's a guy that I've really enjoyed watching over the years and it'd be nice to be on the same side with him. He's uh <laughs> he's a game changer. And uh like I say, to get back with Coach Lapo and, and Coach O'Shea, so I'm just excited to be there. What's it gonna be like to to work with Paul Lapolice? He's been pretty creative with this offense here, hasn't he? Oh man, he's been pretty pretty creative his whole career. I remember Coach Lapo, when I came into uh, Saskatchewan in 08, and uh, definitely when we was in Winnipeg, I think that's one of the pluses when it came to my decision in terms of you want to be in the offense, not 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 just the offense, but you want to be on a team that can contend and you want to help someone have a chance to win a great cup, but you also want to produce on the field, and that was one of the pluses about Winnipeg. I know Coach Lapo does a great job of getting guys involved. 
I remember, Darius, I've interviewed you many times, and I recall you more than once telling me that when you were in Winnipeg the first time, uh, you weren't as mature an individual as you are now, and that's really been a, a major change in, in a Darius Bowman. Is that basically the, still the way you feel about things from, from your time here before? Oh, I will, I will 100% agree. Like I say, not not anything personal towards Winnipeg, but uh, on a personal scale and just life, growing as a young man, you know, uh, I've spent my whole career up here in Canada, but definitely my time in Winnipeg, those early 20s, you know, uh, sometimes – you know, you was you were still at a point where you was learning how to be a professional and how to take on the whole concept of this career and this business. And uh, yeah, I, I was I was I would say I made some childish decisions back in my past, but definitely glad that I was able to you know what I mean get another opportunity from Edmonton to continue my growth as an athlete and a player. And, and it's good to bring it back to uh, Winnipeg. You remember the game in two thousand nine for the Bombers when you caught ten passes for two hundred fifteen yards against Hamilton? Out there in Hamilton. Yeah. Michael Bishop. Michael Bishop. I always try to tell guys that was uh, one of the most interesting quarterback-receiver combos I've been a part of, but <laughs> somehow uh, we definitely made it happen, and uh, we was productive together. <laughs> I like the way you described <laughs> that. Interesting combos. Hey, Darius, <laughs> we're, we're up against the clock here as always. I'm going to have to let you go. Appreciate you joining me. Look forward to seeing you when training camp begins. Oh, man, see you real soon, Bob. Thank you so much. And uh, like I say, We'll be there real soon, and let's start this journey. Okay, great. Adarius Bowman, one of the newest Blue Bombers. We'll be back to talk to another one, Chandler Fenner, on our Blue Bomber Winter Special. Welcome back to our Blue Bomber Winter Special. Chandler Fenner, one of the newer Bombers, joins us now. I'm presuming by this area code from somewhere in Virginia. Is that right, Chandler? That is correct. I'm from Virginia Beach, Virginia. Okay. What's the weather like in Virginia Beach? It's actually been uh, pretty up and down. I actually went down to the boardwalk the other day, uh, Saturday, and by the time I got to the end of the boardwalk, it was raining, but by the time I got to the other end, it was about 60 degrees. Ah, well, listen, today here in Winnipeg, Chandler, it's 30 degrees Fahrenheit, which for this time of year is pretty good. Well, yeah, I've heard a lot about the weather out there. I'm still uh, excited to be a part of uh, that that temperature and having that as an advantage for on um in the wintertime. Well, if you yeah, if you play late into the season, you you'll get some cold weather here for sure. Hey, tell us about your decision to uh, to to join the Blue Bombers when you became a free agent. Uh, were there other teams bidding, and and what uh, what made the difference and made you decide that Winnipeg is where you wanted to be? I think that I had uh, a good two seasons coming out uh, my rookie to my rookie contract, and so there were other teams that were interested. Um, for me to go and play for them. But ultimately, I decided with Winnipeg because I just feel like all the stars aligned here. I think that there are so many positives about Winnipeg and the football team there that I just really wanted to be a part of. And they made it very clear to me that I was their guy, and they, they believed in me as well. I think that there's a long list of positives, you know, starting with the coaching staff, Michael Shane being there, you know, taking over that team and really steering it in the right direction. I think all the other pieces uh, fall into place on the coaching staff. You know, Richie Hall, the defensive coordinator, Have has they? done a great job, and you guys just got – sure. Hello? Yeah, go ahead. Yep. You just got um, the the defensive best coach from Toronto. So there are a lot of things there that I think that I can learn um, from the coaches and also the fans. I think you guys have a great 
fan base. I'm excited to play in front of the fans and the culture there. And I just think that there are so many positives about the team and, and what um, Winnipeg has to offer. And I think I just really want to be a part of that. Have the coaches at Chandler told you where they're going to play you? I think that that's something that they want to figure out as far as all the different uh, pieces that we have in the roster. And I think that that's something that's just going to have to gel together with time as we go through training camp. There are a bunch of different guys that we have on the roster, and I think that they want to put us in the best possible scenario to succeed. So I think that's going to take some trial and error, and I'm willing to go wherever they want me to go for the team to win. Now, I had Mike O'Shea on the show earlier, and he loves guys who play special teams and want to play special teams, and he said uh, that you've already told him that uh, you love playing special teams. I do. I love the the special teams aspect of the game. You know, I think that sometimes that's a forgotten aspect of the game, and it's just so much fun to me to be able to just run down the field as fast as you can and hit somebody. It takes a lot of the thought out of the game, and it's a great break from defense for me to just be able to run down the field and try to rip somebody's head off. So I just that's always been one of my favorite things to do, and I'm really happy that they appreciate that and that they're looking forward to me being able to fulfill that role. I think that's a part of me. Um, and my goal is as an athlete to become more of a complete player. I want to do more than just defense. I want to contribute um, to special teams as well. You know, Chandler, there's a real sense here. The Bombers were 12-6 and six last year, 11-7 and seven the year before. There's a sense that this team is, you know, on the verge of, of winning a championship. Do you see it that way when, when you pondered who you were going to sign with? I definitely see it that way, and that's a big uh, consideration when you're going to sign with the team. And like I was saying before, I feel like the stars are aligning um, for this team and in and, and Winnipeg. So I just think that between, you know, all the way from the top and Wade Miller and, you know, the, the staff that they have there and the players, the roster that they're putting together for this 2018 season, it just seems like, and you can feel it, that something big is coming. And I really wanted to be a part of that. And I was very honored that they wanted me to come and be a part of that as well. So, yeah, I agree with you 100% that something big is coming. And this, this team is on the verge. They're right on the edge. And all it takes is a little bit more, that little inch more, and we'll get there. Now, you spent some time with uh, the New York Giants, and you were with Seattle on their practice roster the year they won the Super Bowl, right? Correct, correct, yeah. Did you get a Super Bowl ring? Yes, I did. I did. And uh, that was just a really great season and a great learning experience for me to be a part of that team um, and to be a part of that camaraderie and to see how a championship team functions. Um, and that's I see a lot of the similarities here uh, in Winnipeg, and that it all is just coming together. Mm-hmm. But uh, that Super Bowl season, it was just a great learning experience to be a part of that Legion of Boom, you know, that secondary, and to see how they do things, to see how they study, to see how they communicate, to see how they grind, to see how they how they work constantly, day in and day out. That was a great learning experience, and I'm never going to let that go. And wherever I go, I'm going to take those uh, great lessons with me. So you think you bring some leadership qualities to the Bombers as well, Lynn Chander? Most definitely. I think a lot of my experience has um, lent itself to me being a leader in different um, the different teams that I've been a part of. I think that leadership is something that every player should uh, should participate in. If you have everyone who is contributing their best to the team, you can't do anything but get better. You know. And so I think that I don't necessarily think of forcing myself as a leader, I think that I'm going to bring 
all the knowledge and the ability that I currently have to the team. And I'm going to give all that I have to the team. And hopefully, you know, with everyone doing that same thing, we'll all improve from that. Well, Chandler, thanks for doing this. We look forward to seeing you when uh, when training camp rolls around. It's not that far off now, is it? It really is. And it's one of those things that I think about every morning when I wake up, you know, to go work out. It's really coming up on us. And uh, you don't want to be surprised, so you want to be prepared so you don't have to get prepared later on. Yeah. Chandler, thanks again. We appreciate it. We'll see you in uh, We'll see you in May. Thank you so much. It's been a great honor to just have a conversation with you. You're a living, a living legend. You know that. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. But anyway, thanks, Chandler. Chandler Fenner spoke with us from Virginia. And uh, we're going to take a break, come back, and talk with the commissioner of the Canadian Football League, Randy Ambrosi, Buck Pierce as well, and Doug Brown in the second hour of our Blue Bomber Winter Special. My alarm goes off at 2.45 and I'm on my phone before I even get out of bed. When I'm on my way in in the morning, I'm thinking about what are my friends talking about? What are they texting me about? Picturing how can I get you the information you need to start your day and hopefully even make you laugh. The weather changes so quickly. Is it sunny, stormy, cold? One small problem on a major route can cause huge delays during the morning commute. I try to find stories that make you feel something. What kind of music would set the mood for the morning? 680 CJOB. Our mornings are all about you. And welcome back to Hour 2. Bob Irving, I'll be joined later on by Buck Pierce and Doug Brown, but right now it's a great pleasure to welcome the Commissioner of the Canadian Football League, Winnipeg native. Boy, it sounds good to say that. Randy Ambrosi, who joins me from Toronto. Randy's, uh, well, first of all, Randy, welcome to the show. Bob, it's nice to be here. Thank you. Yeah, you've uh, been on this whirlwind tour of the Canadian Football League. Is it over yet, or do you still have Hamilton and Toronto to go? No, I'm. I finished. Uh, I finished off in ha- in Halifax last uh, last Friday and uh, had a fantastic turnout of of uh, future Halifax team fans who wanted to show their support for the CFL and and I got through all ten cities. A lot of great feedback and I'm happy to uh, happy to have done it. Okay, let's start in Halifax, and we've been talking about this now, Randy, for months about the possibility of a tenth team expansion to the uh, the East Coast. Well, more than months with you, months, but it's been gone back years. Uh, discussion about this, and you've taken it very slow in terms of uh, the whole Halifax situation. How would you describe where it stands now in terms of their interest of having a team in the CFL? Well, you know, if the if the uh, you know if you just look at that one day in Halifax as a proxy, uh, then you'd say, wow, there is definitely a lot of interest in Halifax. The feedback from the fans was overwhelmingly positive. Bob, I think that the process is you know exactly where it should be. There are thoughtful, constructive conversations happening between the group that are interested in in uh, in in launching a new franchise with the you know with levels of government the uh, mayor savage and town council in halifax are you know appear, appear to be very serious about this they're talking to the provincial government they're talking to the federal government bob they're really doing all the right things and you know i'm i'm optimistic uh, but boy there's there's still more work to be done and that work would be i'm presuming bottom line coming up with the money to build a stadium well, I think that really is it, and of course, you know the the concept behind the stadium using you know using what they did in uh, in Ottawa at Lansdowne Park is not just 
a stadium, but it's building a development around the stadium with retail and residential. You know, the, the total concept, which is really how, uh, you know, Lansdowne has become such a blockbuster success, is the model that they are talking to, you know, to the province and the city about. And right now, there, there appears to be very good feelings that, uh, that the time could be right for it. Yeah. And, and this group, and we've seen groups in the past in Halifax, but this group, Randy, they're legit. These aren't a bunch of fly-by-nighters, are they? Oh, no, no. When you, you know, Gary Drummond and, and Anthony LeBlanc, uh, Bruce Bowser, these are serious guys. Uh, you know, they're, I think the phrase, deep pockets uh, gets mentioned from time to time. But, you know, they're, they are very serious. And, Bob, I don't know if you've met them, but if you were with them, you realize they're, they're not only serious, but they're, you know, they're, um, you know, there's a quality about these guys that you can just feel when you're in the room with them. And uh, and their interest in getting this uh, this up and running is genuine. Well, once they, uh, I guess, prove to you they have the money to build a stadium, you can announce the year that the franchise is going there, eh, Randy? <laughs> Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Next, you're going to announce that the Jets traded for me today. Let's let's just be careful here. Well, they could use a tough guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not me. Remember. No, no, actually, they couldn't. Hey, listen, uh, during the Grey Cup, Randy, one of the things that uh, that really struck me that you said was about changing the season in terms of it starting earlier and and ending earlier. Uh, I know you've canvassed fans across the country on that matter. What sort of feedback are you getting? You know, it was it was not unanimous in favor. It was mixed from city to city. You know, you know, for example, you know, in BC where they play in a dome, it was a little less. Uh, it was a little less enthusiastic there. Uh, but generally speaking, I would say, in fact, we're tabulating all the results. But Bob, you'd probably say it was solidly seventy-five plus percent in favor of it. You know, there was some really good feedback from the fans. I, I think some ideas surfaced that are worthy of, of discussion. You know, one fan said, look, if we just moved it two weeks, two weeks might just be enough. In fact, Bob and I, you probably ever, you know, know this. I'm going to say you remember this, and that wouldn't be fair to you. Uh, but the Grey Cup was actually played in December back in the, back in the 50s. And it was moved into November, and I believe just sometime around 1960. So yeah. it's not as though the game hasn't been moved before. It has. And, uh, and you know, again, we got some great feedback from fans on, uh, on some, you know, interesting ways to think about it. How does your TV partner feel about it? Well, that's a discussion we'll have. You know, I, I thought that the, having a, a conversation with our fans was a good kind of way to test the idea before we get uh, before we get too serious and you know start a conversation with TSN. But uh, you know I think it's, I think now that we've got a feeling from you know we, look we were in front of almost three thousand fans over about three weeks. I think we can say there is some interest here, and now it's a good time to sit down with our friends and partners at TSN and, and ask them what their thinking would be. So. And you know, again, it's not a it's not a one idea versus another. The question could be: Could two weeks or three weeks be enough to, you know, give us some advantages of a of a slightly earlier schedule that uh, might be enough? And I think that's where the conversations with uh, with our partners could be interesting. Sure. 
Uh, Randy Ambrosi, Commissioner of the CFL, uh, with us on our Blue Bomber special. Randy, the collective bargaining agreement with the players uh, expires at the end of this year, and players being players, they're going to be uh, asking for more when you negotiate with them. Are you starting now to lay the groundwork for those discussions, or will that come later? Well, you know, Bob, I, I hope that in a positive way we've been laying some of that foundation, um, you know, since I started. And frankly, even before I arrived, you know, the, um, the conversations that I personally had with, uh, with the PA, with Jeff and Brian, um, have been very constructive. You know, I think we are trying to help each other understand each other's point of view on certain things. I, I think we... No, there are some things that are very important to the players, and that's good because it's it's good to know what's on their mind. Bob, we've talked to them, you know, seriously about our desire to grow the game, to grow TV ratings. You know, how are we going to grow grow revenues? Um, all of those things. So, you know, we've been very open with them. I, I think, you know, if if uh, if all goes well, and I, again, being an optimist, I think they will. You sit down two partners who want the same thing. They want a more successful Canadian Football League, and then you believe at the end you'll get something done that will uh, help us achieve that goal. There's always been trouble spots in the Canadian Football League, Randy, and I've covered it for over 40 years, and the game, of course, has endured because the game itself is great and it survives in spite of some of the people who've run it over the years. Uh, would Would you say there's... Trouble spots today. Attendance is down in BC and Montreal, and of course, it's a problem in Toronto. As you look at the league, are there what you would consider to be trouble spots existing right now? Well, you know, Bob, I even back up a little further. You know, I would say when you, you, and I think agree with me, we've probably never had the quality of ownership across the board that we have in place in the CFL today, you know, there, I think we know that over the years we've, we've had a, 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 we've had an ownership group or two that weren't up to the quality we might've wanted. That's fair to say. (laughs) I think our ownership is very good. Clearly we've got work to do though. And I think this is the point that we continue to emphasize. And I emphasize uh, with my partners uh, at the governor's table, like we have, we've got to work harder than we've worked before we've got to drive a revenue plan like you and that's got to be driven off of an attendance strategy for those three major centers bob because it does have a material impact on perceptions in those communities it has an effect on sponsorship revenue and ultimately i believe it has an impact on on tv ratings nothing like turning on a game and feeling the fandom coming through the set when you know when there's a, a full stadium and you know that feeling you get watching a game in that environment, so you know we have work to do. I don't think anybody should you know come to any conclusion that we're in a good spot. I think we've got the right team, the right owners. We've got great teams. We're the game is as good as I've ever seen it. That I know for sure. But boy, on the business side, we definitely have some work to do. Great. Well, listen, Randy, I wish we could go on. I'm sure when you're here for CFL Week uh, in March, we'll have a chance to sit down and, and talk about more items involving the Canadian Football League. Thanks for doing this tonight. Much appreciated. My, my pleasure, Bob. All the best to you, and I'll see you soon. Okay. Randy Ambrosi, Commissioner of the Canadian Football League, back to chat with Buck Pierce on our Blue Bomber Winter Special on 680 CJOB. 
Hey, welcome back. Uh, Doug Brown has just uh, come into the studio. Doug's going to join me here in a few minutes. I'm interested to hear his views on a variety of things that the Bombers have done and haven't done, I guess, in the last uh, few weeks. But first, we're going to chat with Bomber quarterbacks coach Buck Pierce, who, uh, well, let's start off on the family front. Uh, Buck, how's uh, young Bo Pierce doing? He's doing well, Bob. I appreciate you asking. <laughs> he's, uh, he's doing well. He just uh, just turned three months now, and uh, our oldest, Bailey, uh, she's she'll be three next month. So it's a busy household at the Pierce house. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, there's a song, uh, mamas don't let your babies grow up to be quarterbacks. Are you going to discourage Bo from being a quarterback? Uh, no, you know, I, I, it's interesting. You know, uh, a lot of people have actually, you know, asked me that, you know, since having a boy and, uh, you know, football's a great game. If he wants to play quarterback, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll coach him up to my best ability. And, uh, you know, support him in anything he wants to do. Yeah. Uh, it, if we stay in Winnipeg, though, you know, I'll, I'll have to learn how to skate to be able to teach him how to play hockey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you learned how to skate yet, Buck? You know, I I usually get out about once or twice every winter. Uh, not so much yet this year with with Bo here now, but uh, every once in a while. Uh, but it's gonna it's gonna take me a while. I I haven't had the time to get out there on the ice. <laughs> As much as I'd like to, anyway. Yeah. All right. Let me, Buck. Have you curled yet? Have you taken up curling? I haven't taken it up, but I have done it. Are, and, you, uh, are you any good at it? No, no, not at all. And <laughs> you know what? I've done it once. We, we were doing a thing back in 2011, and uh, Jennifer Jones was actually there doing a thing, and, and me and Glenn January actually went out there and uh, did an autograph signing, and. Uh, you know, I actually got to get on the ice and put it on there and do some sweeping and all those things. And, man, I mean, respect I have for those people that can do that is unbelievable. Yeah, it's harder than it looks, isn't it? Absolutely. And more physical than it looks, too. Yeah. All right, let's talk about some of the moves you guys have made. Uh, Nick Dembski comes in, Keenan LaFrance, Darius Bowman. Uh, as the coach of the quarterbacks and a guy who's very involved with Paul Apolice and running the offense, Buck, you have to like some of the pieces you've added. Yeah, you know what? I always thought we'd done a, uh, you know, since I've been involved in the coaching, uh, you know, world here with the Bombers, I think we've done an excellent job on free agency and and not just getting quality football players, but you know, quality people and and those, you know, three names that you mentioned right there, Darius, Nick, and and Keenan, you know, those guys are quality character people, um, and you know, that's only going to help us get better uh, on the football field. You know, they all bring a lot of talent. You know, each guy's a bit different, but they all have experience. And, and uh, you know, it, in this game, you know, as you know, experience is, is, is key. And and having guys that have been there, um, you know, uh, Keenan and, and Adarius have been part of great cup teams. You know, so just having those guys in the room um, will help everybody. Well, when you played quarterback for the Blue Bombers back in 2010, and Doug Brown will remember this, uh, you had a receiver named Darius Bowman, who we all could see had enormous talent, but he, he didn't have it harnessed. Uh, he certainly has it harnessed now, doesn't he, Buck? Yes, he does. And, and you know what? It's uh, it's interesting. You know, Darius, when I got there, um, you know, showing up to camp, I actually got there a few months early and uh, went out there to work out, and Darius was around. I think it was me, Doug, and 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 Adarius, who were there for, uh, you know, putting the shovels in the ground for the new stadium um, with Coach La Police at the time. And uh, he was there. So we formed a bond over that time. And, and, you know, he was just young. And you could see the talent. You, 
you could see that he wanted to work. Um, and sometimes those things just take time to have success. And, and, and you know, speaking with him now and, and over the last couple of years, he has really matured and, and, and sees the game a different way and, and, and really wants to work. He's became more vocal. Um, you know, when, when we were around, he was, he was a younger guy and, and really didn't want to speak up much in meeting rooms. And now you just see that transformation, whether it's the experiences that he went through over the last few years um, or just the overall um, process of him just, just being around the game a little bit longer at this level. I loved what he said. I had him on earlier, and he said, uh, when you're in your early 20s, you make some decisions that you, you look back on and you kind of shake your head. And I think all of us, all of us, even us, those of us who've been around a long time, can relate to that sort of comment because in our early 20s, we're a lot dumber than we are when we get into our 30s, aren't we? Yeah, and it's a shame that you don't you don't see that until you're into your 30s. You know? <laughs> That's it's, right. It's amazing. But yeah. Darius is, is what's got... What's, what's so intriguing about Adarius and why he's been so, so successful is because he's willing to work. And, 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 and once his attitude you know, really shifted to being, hey, you know what, I want to be the best, the best physical player I can be and also the best teammate that I can be. I mean, because he was you know, surrounded by great receivers in Edmonton. You know, he wasn't the top target all the time, but he learned how to play within that. And, and, and in, that, in that process, I think he's learned a lot of lessons. Buck, when you talk about your quarterbacks this year, of course, you got Matt Nichols, Darian Durant, a very interesting addition. Um, right now, who would you say is shaping up to be your number three quarterback, or could you even say that at this point? Uh, it's, it's probably too early to say at this point. You know, uh, there's still there's still a bit of offseason left and, and, and some evaluation, you know, to go on there. Uh, but, you know, definitely very excited about our number one, too. Um, guys with a lot of veteran experience, a lot of games under their belt, um, you know, so our quarterback room will be good. Durant. A lot of good conversation. Yeah. Right. Durant going to be a good fit, Buck? I think he will. I think he will. I mean, obviously, you know, we're going to create an environment for him that's that's going to be, you know, conducive, you know, for his role and him to be, you know, in camp, be competitive um, and be ready to go when called upon. And, and it'll be a new role for him, which which every quarterback that has long careers, you know, they have to they have to face that at some point. And and uh, so it really it'll be up to him. But I know that we have a great culture in that room, you know, surrounded by a great offensive staff and and good quality people on that offensive side of the football. I bet you're anxious for uh, the training camp to roll around, Buck. You've got uh, you've got an interesting looking roster. Yeah, you know what it's. I think I think the excitement, uh, you know, for all of us is, is is just to get a look at everybody as well. You know, just you look at the roster, you look at the pieces that, that we've added. I mean, you look at the current guys that ended ended the season on such a high note, and uh, you know, we're all excited. I mean, we've been in the office, me and Coach La Police and uh, Coach Kevin Burgoyne, our, our running backs coach, and Marty Costello, our offensive line coach. You know, we've all been in there. You know, and you. You should see the boards in our office. I mean, we got all kinds of ideas ready. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do. I, I'm sure you and Paul Appelese spend hours kicking things around, eh? <laughs> well, you know what? That's that's the fun part about it, you know. And 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 Paul being, you know, the type of guy that he is, is 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 so welcoming of of uh, you know ideas and and stuff like that. And, and and we've really created a good bond within our offensive staff, and 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 really have good communication within us. Okay, great. Hey, Buck, thanks for doing this. Much appreciated. 
Hey, no problem, Bob. I appreciate you having me on. Okay, Buck Pierce, Blue Bomber, quarterback's coach, will come back after a uh, news and sports and weather update. And Doug Brown will join me, and we'll get Doug's thoughts on Enoch Mwamba and many other things on our Blue Bomber Winter Special on 680 CJOB. All right, welcome back to the Blue Bomber Winter Special. It's the final half hour. I'm joined by our football analyst on CJOB, Doug Brown. Uh, let's start, Doug, with Enoch Mwamba. Would that be a, a good get for the Bombers? Talk about changing the face of your defense. It, it, it's a statement move that would make. You know, you want to talk about adding little pieces and tinkering here and, and you know, addition by subtraction and, and losing some guys and, and bringing in other guys. That puts you over the top, right? That, that makes it, you know, we debate and we... You know, I, I did this thing where I attached a score to, oh, you got this guy, but you lost this guy, so minus those points, and it's going back. That's what free agency is. It's a mm-hmm. game, right? And right now, I think it's pretty close. I think the Bombers are a little bit ahead in terms of what they've gained versus what they've lost in free agency. You get a guy like Enoch Mwamba, and that's a 14-point swing right mm-hmm. there, right? That puts you over the top. That changes the face of your defense. You got, you know, you have a very young defense there. And I think they'll be improved just based on the fact alone that these guys are maturing and they're getting used to a system and a lot of the defensive linemen are going to be the same guys that are there and they've kind of tinkered with the secondary a little bit. You bring in an established professional who's proven like Enoch Mwamba that has credibility in the CFL, credibility in the NFL. It just changes the shape. It changes the dynamic over there, the, the kind of confidence, the the kind of leadership he could inject into that defensive dozen. Uh, you know, I, I don't really think you can put, I mean, you're going to have to put a dollar sign on it, but you right. can't really, you know, it's the intangibles as well as what he can do on, on the field that, that speaks loudest. And I think this would be an absolute home run for this football team. I think that would make them instant over-the-top contenders for big things in 2018 if they could get Enoch Mwamba. You played uh, with Enoch in your final year, 2011. He was a rookie that year, uh, and he was... He, he was, was, he was he, rough around the edges. Yeah, but he was good. You could, <laughs> tell, you could tell that he was destined to be a very good player, and then he blossomed into a star uh, by 2013. Uh, how good was he that year? You remember watching him in 2013, and then he headed for the NFL, and he's kind of bounced around Montreal, Saskatchewan, and still only 29 years old. Uh, but could could you tell right from the get-go that this guy was was going to be a special player, had a chance to be a special player? You know, you almost say, you talk about a guy, you know, you don't want to use this in the concussion era, but you talk about a guy being unconscious on the field, okay? And that just means he's not thinking at all. He is purely reacting. He's an instinctual animal out there in the football field. And that's really what you saw, I think, in 2013 with Enoch. Everything... He just it just made sense to him now. He figured everything out right. and he he got past that point where you're breaking things down and you're still thinking, you're not just reacting automatically. And he just became a machine then. You know, and that's when we say unconscious. He just mm-hmm. stopped. He just started reacting and playing football and stopped thinking about it. He had figured everything out. Once you let your athletic talents and ability take over and now your knowledge of football and you just play on 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 reaction. He it was unbelievable. It was so fun to watch him. He was such a dynamic player, so explosive. Everything you want in a middle linebacking kind of guy in terms of leading the, the the group around him and and being that physical tone setter for for that defensive dozen. He, he did it all, and it was fantastic. I mean, yeah. it was 
what a tease to see him develop into that and yeah. then to have him gone. And, you know, this is the first time he's probably even outside of playing a game that he's been back in town. People have probably forgotten, and those who didn't see him, he was really good. I tell people this all the time. In, two, <laughs> in 2013, this guy made plays game after game after game. He was a special player, and he's kind of bouncing, but he's only 29. He should he should still have a lot of miles left, shouldn't he? Yeah, he, sh- he should for sure. Because he, he hasn't he, had major injuries. Yeah, he, yeah. he totally takes care of himself. And, yeah. and let me tell you, I've... I've played on defenses here in Winnipeg where you had a Baron Simpson or you had a Joe Lomano, mm. and I've played on defenses here, you know, with a Ryland Wickman. And then other defenses, we didn't have those guys. And it's a world of difference, right? That's the guy that gets everybody lined up. That's the guy that makes sure you're dialed in, that you have laser focus, that sets the tone. And, you know, that's really, if it gets past that first line of defense, that's your mop-up guy. That's your do-everything guy, right? Rush the sure. passer, blitz, you know, be physical, coming downhill, covering running backs, so on and so forth. They're a do-everything physical. They're the guys with a little bit of a screw loose as well, right? And uh, every single middle linebacker we ever had, it was it was as much what they did on the field as as what they did before the game started, right? With Jolo, he used to get us in that little huddle, and Baron, the, the minister of defense, right? They all have these little personas about them that can really rally a defense, especially when they're established all-star caliber kind of players. Mm. And that's exactly what Enoch Mwamba is, and I really think he could be the that final missing piece to the the jigsaw puzzle of of having a, a very strong defense which i think would just uh push this team over the edge well it goes without saying he's a canadian on top of everything you've just said uh he's a canadian um what was it? I was going to ask you something else about the defense, and I've drawn a blank on it now, so we'll take a break and we'll come back. Doug <laughs> Brown is out. here. Yeah, of course I will. It'll come back to me. I have these moments now, Doug, every now and then. Uh, Doug Brown is here. We're going to come back and talk more about what the Bombers have done. Oh, I want I want you to update your point system in the free agency, but we'll do that when we come back with our Blue Bomber Winter Special on 680 CJOB. All right, Doug Brown, you've got a scorecard going for the Bombers on uh, free agency, pluses, minuses. Yeah, sort of a numerical, your own devised system. Uh, Dembski, LaFrance, Darius Bowman, Chandler Fenner, Craig Rowe, some of the additions. Um, They've lost Jamal. Let's start with Jamal Westerman. Canadian, sack guy, hardworking guy. Big loss. Yeah, I mean, when uh, he led. he led the the bomber defense in sacks two years in a row. I understand, and last year uh, he still had seven, even though he didn't play a number of games due to his injury. So, I think uh, you know, not even being in that locker room, you can tell from talking to Jamal Westerman the kind of leader uh, he was, the kind mm-hmm. of veteran presence uh, he had. Uh, uh, no surprise to me that he was in that upper echelon, that inner circle of of guys that are running that that football room. So highly respected guy. Uh, very accomplished on the football field, uh, has accolades in both the National Football League and the Canadian Football League. So that's a that's a presence, right? That's a, that's a big piece on your chessboard that yep. that you're taking out of that locker room uh, when he goes somewhere. Even when he was hurt, right? We still heard all about how he was involved and how he's around the guys and on the sideline and in their ear and stuff like that. And there's a void when you lose a guy like that, right? Not just the, a Canadian starter, a ratio breaker. And, uh, you know, some people are like, oh, we don't have to worry about those penalties. You know, he'd get one penalty a game. And that was kind of, he found out where the edge was. Yeah. He found out how far he could play to that. And then, 
you only ever got one of them from him. You know, every game he would always uh, he would always have that little extra aggression in him, and then he would dial it back. He found out what he could get away with, and he was he was a tenacious player, and I think he was uh, very much a strong leader in that locker room. So, guys that that depart that bring things on and off the field. You know that's that's a big hole to fill, yeah. and there's a lot of leaders and a lot of veteran talent in in that room. But uh, he was one of the biggest for sure. Bombers went hard after him, but Montreal, we we hear, just simply offered him more money, and that's going to happen. He'll be 33 years of age this year. You can relate to this, although you played your entire career here in Winnipeg. Um, when you get to 33 years of age, you you probably think you've only got two, three years left. You better maximize what you get out of them in terms of the bottom line. No. Yeah, you know, you start once once you get to that age where people say, "Oh, you know, how much do we have left?" You start yeah. doing that year by year analysis of yourself. You finally break the uh, that denial that that football players are in. And you're like, "Okay, I am, you know, in that kind of range where I'm pushing the envelope now." And it is a, a year by year analysis. So obviously, he wants to maximize and and cash out and uh, really see what he can uh, get. But I also, I think it's a, it's probably a, a family consideration mm-hmm. too. Obviously his brother being out there, that's a pretty sure. special uh, and unique uh, situation and environment being able to play uh, on a, on a roster and, and potentially start right next to your brother. That's, yeah. that's a pretty uh, incredible opportunity for him. So I'm sure there were a number of factors. It, it can't, it couldn't have been easy. You know, uh, that would be a huge story for someone to actually sit down and, and say, you know, how difficult was this and list the factors because I was blown away that, you know, he didn't come back because he was so, he was so bought in. He was so invested here. Like there were so many things he would say about the culture yeah. and the players and the coaching staff. You just, you know, you were blindsided when you hear he went elsewhere, even though there were those factors, even though there was money, there was 50, potentially $50,000 more and his brother and, you know, what he thinks is, I don't know how you could think Montreal is a greener pasture in any way, shape or form, right, but right. that's also what made it surprising, right? Because things had really turned the corner here. He got here in 2015 before things were, were sunny. So he went through some hard times here in Winnipeg and, and now he's turning the corner and you're like, you're leaving potentially right before it's about to get really good. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that was very sh- shocking and surprising for me to see. Uh, and here's the other, I guess, side of what you're talking about. I'm told that Ian Wild went to Kyle Walters, the Bomber GM, at the end of the year and said, look, I was here when this team sucked. And, <laughs> and, and, and now that we're, he may not have used that word, I just throw it, words What's to that it? effect. And now that we're good, I want to come back. And so I, I look, whatever you think is a fair contract, I'm up for it. And I'll play wherever you want me to play. I'll be a leader. I'll be a DI. doesn't matter. I want to be here now that times are good. So there's kind of the other view of it. Eh? Yeah, it totally makes sense, right? Yeah. You're someone that it's that whole sour and sweet thing, right? Yeah. You go through so much, so many sour times here in Winnipeg. And all of a sudden, you know, it turns and, and now things are uh, a little sugar laden and you appreciate it that much more. Yeah. That's just it, right? Because you, yeah. you've been through that adversity. You've seen guys either either sink or swim literally in terms of uh, being able to continue their livelihoods in Winnipeg. And, and now, you know, he wants to reap the benefits of, of going through those adverse times. Jamal Westerman is the one player that the Blue Bombers from last year really tried to keep 
and lost. The others that they lost, T.J. Heath and and Sam Hurl and some of and the Bond. others, and well, Travis Bond too. They didn't try very hard to keep him, and that's a ratio thing, entirely yeah. a ratio thing. But Westerman is the one player I think that they're not, Stinks. A, not upset Stinks about. But they, you know, they they wanted him to be back because because he's good and because he's Canadian. All right, we'll come back. I want to get your thoughts on. Starting the season earlier, Doug Brown, and it's going to happen. It is. Randy Ambrosi's. Ma- oh, we don't? Okay, we don't need to go commercial here. Thank you. When do we need to go to commercial in Savannah? Tell me. Can we go right you to the top of the hour? You can keep on going until 56. All right. Wow. Beautiful. Okay. So, uh, if they start the season, I guess the preseason in late May... And wind up the Grey Cup. So you have in, to start practice in the middle of May is what uh, you're suggesting, I guess late right? April, maybe. I don't know, something like that. And then have the Grey Cup in uh, late October, the first week of November. What do you think? Well, right now it's the, what is it, the third Sunday in November, right? right. So two weeks up, so first week of November or, or last of October. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> as someone that didn't always live in, in Winnipeg, um, you know, when I was still spending the off season in, in Washington, D.C., and I would talk to somebody up here and I'd be like, it's May. And I, I knew camp was starting at the end of May. I'd be like, what's it like up there? And, you know, I would talk, I'd be doing an interview with Ed Tate or something like that. And he's like, oh, man. We it just snowed again. I'm like, it's no, May. It never snows it in was, May. Did he tell you it snowed oh, in May? The stories I would get. <laughs> like, listen, you may think we're out of the woods. Is it May the month where you think you're out of the woods, and then something no, regresses in on, terms of okay, I, I don't. <laughs> it's not as important anymore now that I'm not playing football. But I'd be like, oh my god, I don't want to go to training camp outside right. on Maroons Road yeah. and have the potential for the ground still to be frozen kind of thing. So yeah. it is, uh, you know, change scares people, right? And mm-hmm. and people that, that schedule their vacations and their cottage times and, you know, changes to know if it's not broken, why are you fixing it kind of thing. But uh, I might be in the camp that uh, is along the lines of this could be an improvement. And I, I think, you know, having uh, a situation where the, the pinnacle of the Canadian Football League is played – during a time where the environment isn't as much a factor, I always think, you know, the environment, you know, can be is something you have to deal with as a player. But when it becomes the biggest hurdle for a game, like when you don't even know what team you're on because you've never played in these conditions before, yeah. that's kind of not the best showcase necessarily for the kind of uh, elite talent you have in the Canadian Football League. In my opinion, the Bombers semifinal game this past November the weather cost them 2,000 fans, in my opinion, at least. Remember that week? It was The, the whole week was just brutally cold. And he's had 27,000 fans for the game. There's, there's no question in my mind that I've had 29,000, 30,000 had the weather been good. And if you played two or three weeks early, your chances of getting better weather are greatly increased. So, I mean, that's the, the main thrust of this for Randy Ambrose. He said it at the Great Cup. He said, wouldn't it be great to have the Great Cup at the end of October? When, when the weather's nice and the leaves are falling, he says, as opposed to now when everybody's wearing parkas and, and heavy coats. And you could tell right away that he was really, he's pu- really pushing for it. that. Yeah, yeah, he's totally so. Hey, Darius Bowman, you played with Darius Bowman. He's come a long way since those early days, and he'd be the first guy to tell you that. Uh, again, decisions in your 20s versus your 30s. Uh, he'll be 33 this year. Does he still have some miles left? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. And Darius Bowman, obviously his career started in 2008, so we were his second stop, uh, Winnipeg, in 2009. And uh, obviously very early in his career when I knew him. And 
There's some games. There's a game in Hamilton against the Tiger Cats. And 10 catches, 215 yards. I was This is like one of the last conversations I ever had with Coach Mike Kelly. And I said, I looked at, at Coach Kelly and I said, he's going to be in the NFL if he does this, if he keeps doing this kind of thing. Because I had never seen a receiver take over a game like that outside right. of, you know, someone named Milt Stiegel. Mm-hmm. His raw ability. I was like, why can't we get him to do this Every, every week, even every other week, <laughs> would be fine. You know, yeah. it was just like I'm like, I didn't know who was playing out there, yeah. And so he was super raw and erratic. But you were just like, oh, if you could just tap into some sort of consistency with this player, be unbelievable. And then obviously we saw him go elsewhere and and be able to flip that switch and mm. grow and mature. You know, I still am going to have to see it with my own two eyes to believe because uh, obviously I knew Adarius when he was very young and 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 different than what he is right now. So I, I, I just want to talk to him, tell you the truth, because it, it's been, you know, I really haven't engaged with him since he was in, in Winnipeg in his early stint. And and so much has changed and, and you just want you just want to see it evidence. Obviously, you've seen through what he's done in his career and, and in other places. Yeah. He certainly has grown. He has matured. And his productivity, oh my God, through the roof. So obviously he's fallen off last year, injury situation, um, not being the the number one guy anymore. But yeah. sometimes, you know, when you see the writing on a wall as, as a player and uh, you come to terms with the reality that your number of seasons remaining are, are limited now, that can be very inspiring, I think, I think for a guy. And uh, I, I think we're going to see that he does hopefully have some reserves and some gasoline left in that tank. Well, we saw Weston Dressler let go by Saskatchewan. Similar circumstances. Uh, the coach didn't want to pay him the money, uh, wanted to go with a younger player. Dressler came here very productive. Yes, he's had some injury issues, but very productive. And if Darius Bowman can return to the kind of productivity, he's a big, tall guy. Uh, bomber receivers have they haven't had anybody his size for a while. I, I think uh, the potential's huge if he can stay healthy. And he's thirty two. He'll be thirty three in July. That's not necessarily old. You know. You know. You know what you want. You just want. I, I think with Dressler, I don't think he'd ever admit it, but he had a chip on his shoulder. He had yeah. something to prove. Well, this he guy had will some, too. He had some remarks that were yeah. stinging and lingering from sure. the, from the new head coach that rolled into town and and said, "Yeah, I don't really like." Uh, smaller type receivers yeah. like this, right? And and you hope Adarius has that mindset too. So often when you're accomplished and you've done this and you've done that and you've achieved and you have the kind of, I mean, only two years ago, right? We saw what Adarius put up in Edmonton. It mm. was crazy, the yardage and, and the numbers he had. You hope he still has that, that, that motivation now and that thirst to prove that, hey, this just wasn't an Edmonton f- phenomenon. I can do that and I can still do that. If he has that chip on his shoulder and that, and that desire like Weston Dresslin did, uh, Dressler did uh, as a professional to to really write another chapter in his book in terms of excellence, it, it could be pretty exciting. But you're right, there's a lot there's a lot of guys on this football team now where, you know, you need you need some luck when it comes to health and and injuries happening at the right time so on and so forth. The roster they're going to start with, if the end day roster is anything remotely resembling that, you know, you got to like their chances and you think there'd be a very exciting football team down the stretch. But like I said, when you have older guys, you always, you run a dance, right? Yeah. It's a, it's a gamble and, and, and you got a game there that you're running and you hope you come on top of it and, and you hope they're durable and they make it through. Well, you've kind of answered my question. We have 30 seconds left. I think you and I would both agree the West is going to be really tough again this year. 
is there any reason, though, this bomber team, based on what we see now, shouldn't be right in the thick of it? No, I mean, it's just going to, for me, it's going to come down to how the new parts are going to intermingle, how they're going to get together. And uh, it's always going to be a health question, right? Can they have all the right pieces in place when it matters most, right? And that's the key. That's the juggling act you have when you introduce some new wrinkles and some new veterans. You got to have those guys healthy at the right time. And it it starts with Nichols at quarterback, which, you know, he wasn't healthy last year. That's got to be the first and foremost uh, to be able to make some noise in a playoff scenario. Thanks for doing this, Doug. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure, my friend. Doug Brown, that's our Blue Bomber winter special on 680 CJOB. Thanks, everybody, for joining us tonight.